Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Parnham. So Nathan is a strength and conditioning specialist located in Brisbane, Australia. His career is over two decades of experience, including both work in professional sport and in the school settings. And recently he has authored the book, The Sporting Parent, which means he's the perfect person today to discuss how parents should support their kids when they're growing up in a sporting world. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Nathan onto the show. So Nathan, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It's going to be a good one. So for those who don't know who you are, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, obviously, my name is Nathan Parnham. I'm the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Brisbane Grammar School in Brisbane in Australia and started that role since January, relocating from Sydney and yeah, just heavily involved in the development space. Cool. And, and before the uh, the Brisbane... Uh, role. What were, you, what were you up to? Yeah, so I, I'd had a few roles. I, I was at several schools in, in Australia and I also worked, uh, did a brief stint with Parramatta Eels in the NRL and also more recently with the Australian women's sevens rugby team in preparation for the Tokyo Olympics. Absolutely fantastic. So uh, you've got the, the S&C side down, you've got the, the youth development side down and uh, obviously you've got a, a book just released as well. Can you give us a quick uh, insight as to, to why you then started writing a book, right? Because I imagine there's some kind of, uh, yeah, you see some kind of behavior, you see some kind of yeah, shocking parenting as such, uh, which triggered you to delve into this. So wh- why why did the book come around? Yeah, so I think the, the key reason for it, if I'm completely honest, is I just got sick of hearing the same questions over and over from not only from parents, but from a coaching perspective on the other side of it. So many coaches like ourselves were kind of, um, I wouldn't say mocking, but I'd also probably say passing judgment in, in saying, you know, I can't believe parents don't know X and why do we continue to hear X? And it's like, well, there's a reason for that, and, and I don't think that message is really being delivered clearly to parents. So for me, those continual questions that, that continue to come about, whether it be, you know, what sports should should children play, um, the whole specialisation thing through to, you know, does your child need an S&C coach or a local personal trainer and, and all these sort of things. And I thought, well, um, you know, why there's no better time than, than ever with, you know, the various climate around the world uh, than to pen a book and, and get it out there so that we can try and communicate this in a clear, transparent way for parents to learn from. Absolutely fantastic. So there wasn't uh, some shouting parent on the sideline giving their kids some shit who all of a sudden, uh, yeah, triggered you to uh, to write that for them. <laughs> oh, there's probably too many examples to, to mention here, but, you know, we've all seen the signs around the, around the world of the different sporting parks saying, you know, these coaches and officials are volunteers, please don't hurl abuse and swear at them <laughs> and all the rest of it. And, and for me, I kind of go to bed at night just having visions of those signs flashing through. <laughs> um, yeah, like screenplay in my head. So I thought, you know what, I'm one of those people who's, who's kind of, you know, I'm sick of talking about it. Let's uh, let's get in there and try and increase the space. And if you know, it's a, a resource for for coaches, parents, and, and educators within that space as well. So if if I can get it out there, then um, yeah, let's do it together and try and build a positive space. Absolutely brilliant, mate. And in terms of like one juicy example of that, have you got one example that you can give us, which uh, which really hits home how important this is of, of parents doing something completely horrible or stupid? 
Um, oh, look, I, I wouldn't say horrible or stupid, but there is an example in the book that I delve into that talks about, which is a really, really common thing. And and I think that the biggest thing that I want to say throughout all this is that parenting is such an emotional uh, emotional experience. And, and even the coaches who have worked at an elite level, they also don't realize how carried away they get when it comes to their own children and their own sporting endeavors. But there's one example in the book that I talk about in a, in a chapter called uh, to do with framing. And this parent was, he was filthy at his, uh, at his son because his son was really disappointed that so this was to do with cycling and and I'm not from a cycling background but um it was to do with like road cycling and and he would this this dad would take his kid out uh who was 12 years old so we're talking year 7 in schooling in Australia and uh and he he was absolutely ropeable that his son wasn't appreciating the the recovery rides uh and and he wasn't taking it seriously enough and and in the same sentence he was he was talking about what the the ideal window of how many kilometres in a week his his son should ride, and and his the reality was to paint the context, he's he's bringing a twelve year old kid out with his cycling buddies on a Sunday, <laughs> and wondering why his his son wasn't appreciating the recovery side of their ride, and so I kind of had to go down that uh, route of just educating him on a variety of different things, and I can tell you this it had nothing to do with how many k's that he can actually do, but maybe a bit of a, a self regulation or self-checking himself in, in to not take himself so seriously in strategies of how we can kind of go about that so that's yeah. probably the best one so. <laughs> that's and it is it's harsh as well right because the, the, the parent only wants the best for the kid uh, and are super enthusiastic and they, they want to impart that enthusiasm on them but yeah i can imagine some kids it's, it's just about looking outside cycling a bike as fast as they can and, uh, and then going back home and having some food yeah, exactly right. And the biggest thing throughout all of this is more to do with what I'll often, you know, word it as it or frame it towards is that it's to do with adults and their adult mindset that they're trying to impose that on kids. And, and we all know that kids' minds were completely different. So, but the, the challenge of that is, is as a parent, when something means you're so passionate about it, like in this instance, the father was passionate about cycling and the kid's obviously cycling because his dad's passionate about it. And, and that's a large portion, uh, portion of, of the book as well in just basically showing that in majority of instances, parents choose sports that they're passionate about, that they enroll their children into, whether that be that they've played the sport or, you know, they're an armchair expert in it themselves and, and they envisage their children moving on to bigger and better things. And, you know, a lot of the time children and kids, teenagers, youth don't don't actually get a say in that until they get old enough where they might actually bite back and, and say they don't like participating in a particular sport or whatnot. So, um, yeah, in those instances, you know, I might shatter their parents' dreams and whatnot <laughs> at the same time. And it's all about, you know, the kids having fun and, and how we can kind of navigate around that. Brilliant, mate. So when we when we try and get into some, some meat and potato stuff, uh, obviously it's important to consider why it's important then uh, for parents to consider their behavior and their kids' sporting life. So what, what are the key reasons that, that parents should be alert to this? Yeah, so not only I think it's from the first and foremost, it's more we all know this, and I know I'm stating the obvious in saying that it's a behavioural standpoint that 
you know, if you're a parent and you're hurling abuse and things like that, then we don't want our children to grow up thinking that's normal. But the biggest behavioural thing that I would talk about is more to do with role modelling. And there's a huge element of this that comes from the way that uh, parents exhibit their behaviours. And, and that might be something like being physically active. So, if you know, going for jogs around the block or whatnot. But a big part of this is more to do with participation in sport, being organised sport. And, and if you take it a step further, then throughout their journey as a child through to youth, and if their parents, ironically, so there's such a, a larger portion, I think it's like 75% or something, greater likelihood that a child is going to be physically active and participate in engaged sport uh, if they're with one of their parents participate in it. But uh, if they, if one of their parents also volunteers at their local sporting club, whether that be coaching or, you know, on the canteen and things like that, then it shifts those figures up to like 90% greater likelihood that they're going to be in, a participant in organised sporting activities. So um, that role modelling behaviour is really, really important in, in not only playing organised sport, but it's more to do with them just being physically active because as parents, and I'm new to this game of parenting, which we were talking about briefly before, but it's really easy to see how parents fall into that that trap where sport and physical activity fall below the wayside and and then they no longer physically active themselves, which often comes out of a you know a good place and a generous place in that they're trying to for the betterment of their family and support and providing for their family. But the the flip side to that is what I was talking about is that, you know, if they actually look after themselves and exhibit some of those traits then that is passed on to the kids just in, in inherently so um, and organically. So, yeah, that's, that's a big part of it, the role modelling aspect. And then when, uh, when you are trying to be that, that role model, um, what, what should parents be looking for then uh, when their child is young? So what, what kind of behaviours should they be exhibiting and, and how do they then uh, model themselves appropriately for, for young children? Yeah, so the the big part about this is, like I'm stating the obvious in saying that children choose not to participate in a sport or will, you know, choose another sport because it's a lack of fun. And so if we can make things as fun as possible and not make it so outcome-based earlier as possible, then that certainly works in their favour. And on top of that as well, then the whole sport sampling one, it plays a massive role in that if you're a parent listening to this, then you want to try and uh, sample a variety of different sports. And that can be ball sports through to endurance sports like swimming and, and things like that, um, through to other sports that are, are more kinesthetically oriented like gymnastics. Then, you know, they should sample those as early as possible because not only is it allowing them as an individual to see what they might find more enjoyable than others, but it's actually increasing their kinesthetic awareness and their makeup to, at the end of the day, have in, enhanced fundamental or increased physical literacy. So um, you, you just it's a better built individual that, you know, when they're sport, if they end up taking sport more seriously, when they're a little bit more intrinsically motivated as they get older, then they'll be well put together in that space because they've gone through it and found that thing that they like and enjoy themselves. The, the, the big thing that I want to say, though, that comes up really, really often in my experience in the development space is to do with uh, when we talk about exhibiting behaviours, it's it's the old school classical traits of 
the, the, the parents enrolling their children, but actually instilling those values that once you've enrolled, unless there's a significant event, then you want to see that season through. And far too often it comes across, you know, our desks in the development space is that, you know, if a, if a child gets played out of their favourite position or, or a position that their parent has earmarked them to be in when they're, you know, when you're under eight, under tens football team, then, you know, everyone's up in arms and they're, and they're trying to change teams or change clubs and all these sort of things. And, and it's a big learning experience that, you know, at the end of the day, you've enrolled in it and it's to do with resilience and that experience in resilience that you acquire along the way through satisfactory and unsatisfactory outcomes in your sporting journey. That's what translates to life and, and real life skills. And that's a big part of the book too. I think that's uh, super interesting. And I, I want to touch on something quickly. You mentioned that that's the, the variety of sports. Um, how, do, how does that link in then to early specialization? Is that something that you, uh, that you think, parents should be considering when uh, when they're uh, enrolling their children? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, like, it's easy to say, and, and this is a big thing too, like as coaches we all say, you know, if you haven't heard of, you know, anti-specialisation and things like that, you've had your head in the sand for the last 20 years. But the reality of it is, is that parents don't know that and we can't underestimate or undervalue our knowledge that has been proven time and time again. And sure, you'll get those outliers who, you know, like the, everyone resorts back to the Tiger Woods scenario and things like that, that he was playing from as, as early as he could walk and things like that. But if you use that same example, he's also had a lot of problems too along the way that happened around the peripheries of his sporting journey. So, um, you know, whether that would have happened if he had have seen more of life outside of that and had a little bit more of a balanced life, I'm not sure. But the, the big part of this is, is that when it comes to the specialisation thing, a lot of uh, later or long-term success um, is, is comes from athletes who have dabbled and, and played a, a variety of different sports and, and something that's relevant at the time and, and more so obviously for me being Australian at the moment is uh, Ash Barty has recent, recently won Wimbledon and, then, and she's a, a prime example of it. She played multiple sports as a kid growing up in Australia and then she even went into success in tennis in her adult years to even give up and walk away to dabbling cricket, to dabbling golf and, and these multiple sports to now come back and then also succeed in, in, in Wimbledon. And is that successful? Absolutely. Winning a Grand Slam is, is successful. But the reality of it is, is that a lot of the early specialisation that takes place, they might actually achieve success and they might achieve success early but do they actually have a well-rounded, are they a well-rounded, balanced individual? And that long-term success, and, and I, I think the thing to highlight is that that success varies from, from individual to individual. So every family, every parent, whether it be mother or father, should have their own definition of success and what sport means to, to them as a family and to their children. And no one should be able to tell them what that definition of success is. I think that's, that's absolutely excellent advice and it leads us quite nicely on to, uh, to the next question, looking at what then parents should be doing for athletes when they're a little bit older, when, when they are looking to be successful or to, to get a professional contract or that, that kind of uh, phase from maybe 16 to 18 where things are starting to get serious. Um, what, what should a parent then be doing in order to make sure that their, their child is then supported in the right ways? 
Yeah, so first and foremost, uh, the big part of this is to do with being intrinsically motivated. So if you're a parent, and because the age range that you've highlighted there is perfect, because I mean, from about 16, and this is just a really general rule of thumb, but from 16 and onwards, depending on the sport, there's various sports that might be earlier. But uh, in, in that instance, that uh, that's where sport tends to get a little bit more serious in the fact that there's additional training that comes with it. You know, they might be engaging in strength and conditioning and, and they might be exposed to different academies and selection processes and representative teams and things like this. But um, a big thing with this is if you're a parent and, you know, your child is 16, whether a boy, girl, whatever, um, it, and, you know, you're kind of waking them up, setting the alarm for them, getting out of bed, and you're the one pushing them out the door and, you know, fumbling their boots into a bag along the way, then, you know, I wouldn't say I'd, I'd question whether or not they are actually intrinsically motivated to do it. Um, but a big part of this too is understanding that, you know, you're at that stage where you it's the first time you may have experienced as a parent that, you know, your, your child or youth then becomes a commodity, I suppose, and, and there's interest from managers and clubs and, and institutes and things like that, that that might show interest in, in your child. So I, I think the best thing to do with it is is arm yourself as much as possible. And how you do that is completely up to you. But most of the time it will come from, um, when I say mentoring, that's probably a big word, but listening to other parents in how they've gone about it and navigated certain things um, and looking at other resources. You know, An example would be the book because it's an unbiased opinion that provides insights into that um, because the reality of it is, is with, with sport being a, a multi-billion dollar industry and particularly in youth, then you, you, I suppose you, you, you kind of have to question and query whether or not um, you know, things cost money and at the end of the day, you, you need to get that advice from somewhere that I suppose doesn't really have a hidden agenda, if you want to call it that, um, and, and go down that path of, of arming yourself so that, as I highlighted earlier, at the end of the day, it's your journey. So how you pick and choose things and, and what you do for your children is completely up to you. Um, at the end of the day, as a parent, one of the, the guests in the book or the contributors in the book is a parent whose daughter is currently in the Olympics with the Australian football team. Uh, she deemed it rate or hate. So if you're a parent, you want to instill in your children that they are important and they are valuable and that they as an individual know what they're capable of. So whether or not a coach rates you or hates you, it doesn't matter. Or if the media rate or hate you, it doesn't matter. And they can pass judgment on you as an individual. But as parents, if we can support that um, and, and truly get them to build confidence to know what they're capable of, then it doesn't matter where, the way that you negate the, the whole sporting experience and where you end up. You, you end up being more valued within as an individual. Oh, that's, uh, that's super interesting stuff. And have you got ways uh, that, that parents and athletes can go about that? So any, any practical tips as to, to how they can then approach situations which might be difficult in a, in a rate or hate situation? Um, but how then they can either pose questions or, or mentally deal with uh, different aspects of that situation to make sure they come out the other side better? Yeah, so a huge part of this is more to do, like, as I was, I was highlighting earlier is at the end of the day, depending on 
the parent experience in that space. So if you if you were a former professional football player and your daughter is a promising football player, then you would generally have an understanding of how the system works and things like that. But if you're not and you never played at that level, then it's up to you as a parent to navigate your way around that. And like I was saying, that the best way to go about it um, is more, I suppose, gather the most amount of information that you can, whether it be listening to other parents, whether it be, you know, quizzing the coaches and things like that, and, and helping, uh, I suppose, choosing the own, your own path for your child to, to go down. Um, the biggest thing that, that in parents that I've spoken with along this way uh, who have actually succeeded long term is uh, that whole helicopter parenting thing of not jumping in to defend your kids or your children and removing them from a particular team and shopping them around. You don't want to shop your child around. It's more a matter of going, okay, well, what's the avenue that we can take where it's going to be an exciting journey along the way and a fulfilling journey along the way, and the rest of it will come. Just because one coach says that, you know, oh, you're not going to make up the team or you're not capable of achieving something, then as a parent, you find your own way to negate that. There's no point trying to sell your child or, you know, your children how good they are to a coach. You just move on. And 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 how that looks for you on your journey is completely up to you as a parent. I think it's uh, some excellent advice. So before we round up, I want to ask you the, the most difficult question that we can imagine. And that is, what is the one thing that you see or do differently, which is which the rest of the world can learn from? Me personally? Yeah. Uh, I think for me personally, I'm, I'm probably saying that uh, understanding that my journey is exactly that and the my long-term success, if I would call it success because I still have a long way to go, um, is more to do with the accumulated uh, accumulative effect of repeated failures and exposures along the way that ends up building or leading to a quality outcome. So for me personally, you know, as I highlighted, I've got a long way to go in in where I'm heading in my coaching career and as an individual. Um, and, and my journey is exactly that and no one else's. So don't try and mirror yourself on, on other people's careers and, and their coaching philosophies and frameworks. Dabble and try and explore your own and make your own decisions along the way. Absolutely brilliant. So Nathan, massive thanks for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all the listeners who have tuned in and, and listened to the episode. Really appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Nathan for all of his hard work in today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of mini lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you're interested, you can get seven days access completely for free to the Coach Academy. And all you have to do is click the link in the show notes in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you can give us a quick rating and a review on whichever podcast sender you're listening to. That means that we can keep spreading the great word of the podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on next week's fantastic guest. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.